What's up everybody, it's Logan. And most people know this, I don't normally watch television shows or movies in general. I have to be some state of utter boredom to do it. I have problems, as soon as I see an issue with it, I just rag on the entire movie or TV show. So, um, I felt that this, whatever I watched, has so many things that I just absolutely loved nitpicking that it actually deserved me making some kind of review. Now, I want it to be known that I am making this review at 1.28 a.m. because if I don't make it, I can't sleep because I have to get something out there talking about this. Um, the movie is the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that just came out on Netflix today. Um, this is a movie that I would not put in any form of horror movie category whatsoever. Instead, I would actually put this movie in an inspiring, political-fueled hero something He's a, a leather face in this movie turns into a hero. And I can say that being a Texan, I know exactly how all of this would play out in real life. Now, like I said, I'm going to do this all off of memory. I, I watched a movie about three hours ago. The movie starts out and you have these four people driving in a Tesla. Now, the entire time I'm watching this movie, I was calling them Jewish boy one and two, blonde girl, and black guy. I want you to know that there were only two people in this entire movie that I cared to remember their names because they're the only two characters in the entire movie that I liked or made any sense. So, these four people are driving in the middle of Texas in a Tesla. They are in the middle of essentially the desert and they pull up to this gas station. They go in. Everything in the gas station is Texas Chainsaw Massacre themed. They're even playing news clips about this stuff. The gas station attendant is your typical out in the boonies, absolutely nowhere, sweaty for no reason, covered in dirt gas station attendant. He does his job. He goes and he gives them some, you know, typical horror movie lines about why they should not mess with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre story. Anyway, we go back out to the fuel pumps. The only other vehicle in sight pulls up, and this is the first character in this movie that I actually like. He, I already know from the second I see this man, I go, I like this guy. He's going to die. Because if I like somebody in one of these movies, they have to die because they make too much sense. So this man's name is Richter. Now, the first thing that happens is Jewish Boy 1, this girl that has a... She looks like a Jewish boy. And that is why we will refer to her as Jewish Boy 1. This girl makes fun of him because he is open carrying a pistol. He comes back with one of the most Texan responses that I could think of. It's for hogs. Now, she keeps giving him attitude. She gets in the Tesla. They drive off. After that point, 
I did not care about a single thing that they said in that vehicle. However, they're driving down the road, and just like in the Jeepers Creepers movie, Richter shoots around them in his truck and goes in front of them, and they start honking like it's going to change anything, and he black smokes them. He starts rolling coal, to which you start getting your typical Californian response of, does he not care about the planet? He's just a coal roller. That's when I wished everybody in that car would just fall over dead. Now, they start going to the town that this is uh, set in, which is Howard or something like that. It starts with an H. I didn't even care about that. But they, they're on this road to the middle of nowhere, and there is just happenstance. A police van out by the road with two officers standing outside of the police van. Now, the thing that makes absolutely no sense to me is they let Richter go by without stopping him. But they stopped the California people. I don't even remember if they were from California. But we'll get into my, li my life lesson on that later on. But they stop them just so they can sit there and mess with them. That's the only thing I can think of logistically. You know, they, they just did it to mess with them. And they talk about this town. And you sit there and <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to process this because this entire scene is absolutely useless. It was just a time killer. Small Jew Boy number one, which is my absolute least favorite character in this entire movie, ends up saying that her grandpa or her grandma or grandparents were from this town and does some kind of jingle, which the cop finishes. Apparently that was the gate ritual to be let into this town because the cops just back up and go, okay, you're good to go in. Well, they get there and they say it's a ghost town, which makes me think, why are there two cops sitting out on the middle of the highway protecting a ghost town after one of the cops mentioned that he was born there and presumably still lives there? So they start going around, and it turns out that Richter, the one that small Jew boy number one made fun of, is somebody that they actually hired, without knowing who he was, obviously. They hired him to start doing the renovations on the town. Just one man, mind you. It's not a crew. One man to do these renovations on the town. So they can make it into some kind of dystopian society for all of the social justice warrior influencer friends and young people so they can start over. Now, if there's a reason you needed to come to Texas, that is not it. We kindly ask you to leave. But anyway, these people decide that they're just going to walk around and look. And lo and behold... They look up and they see a confederate flag on one of the buildings. Well, suddenly, it turns out that there is an entire bus full of potential investors coming to town so that they can see if they want to invest in buying the town, renovating the town, and turning it into said dystopian whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> the whole premise of this movie is just infuriating because I hate people that are influencers and I hate people that are social justice warriors. So 
They have to get this rebel flag down because if somebody sees a tattered up rebel flag hanging, it's just going to end all of their chances at stealing these people's money to make this town. So they barge into this building. They climb up the stairs and they try to reach out the window and take this flag down, but they cannot reach it. So they come back downstairs to which this little old lady comes out of the back and goes, what are you doing in my house? Which I don't blame her because if somebody just walked their ass into my house, I probably would be asking the same thing. The only difference is you would be hearing a few gunshots after I asked a question. Now, this little old lady sits there and goes, oh, you must be the new neighbors. Because at least she knows that somebody has bought this property at, around her. <laughs> well, she goes and offers to give, uh, well, actually, before she offers them tea, our hero, the hero of this movie, Leatherface himself, comes down the steps and stands on the landing. To which she says, oh, no, 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 it's okay. You can go back upstairs. You know, it's all all right. Which our hero, which is how I wore for... That is the only way I will refer to Leatherface is our hero in this movie. He goes back to minding his own business as a good man should. And the old lady takes them, the, the two kids, which would be the uh, small Jew boy number one and the black boy. And they go into her kitchen and she pours them tea. Sweet tea, as every good old lady in Texas would. And almost instantly, these kids tell her that she needs to leave the property. They have bought this house and that she is technically trespassing. Now, the old lady who, when you pay attention to the words, she said, oh, y'all are the new neighbors, knows that property has been bought. You would think she would know if her property had been purchased. Well, when she asked them for proof, they don't have the papers to prove it. So, because they don't have the papers to prove that they have actually bought the house that she is occupying, she goes, it's still my house. I have the deed upstairs. So, instantly, what happens after some things are said between them, which obviously has to be between racial uh, problems, because once again, lazy writing, that's the easiest low-hanging fruit to go for here, between her and the black kid, happens. He just quits caring about her at all, and he tells them to call, he tells the uh, small Jewish boy, number one, to call the cops. Well, the cops show up almost instantaneously, because apparently they quit sitting on the highway, stopping the one car that comes every five days to see what they're doing, and they came back to town. So they instantly show up, and they don't ask any questions. They do not have any due process of law. They do not have anything that I would deem as at least half-acidly legal. They instantly grab this old lady and tell her she needs to leave the property with so much as a glance at any paperwork saying that she owns the building or the kids own the building. Well, this woman is already a strong gust of wind away from dying. And this being manhandled by two officers, 
proceeds to send her into a fit of vomiting and shaking and just basically her heart starts to go out. She can't handle it. Well, when this happens, it riles up our hero. Who comes downstairs? Respectfully, he picks her up and starts to carry her because the closest hospital is apparently 60 miles away from this town. To which they go, are you going to call an ambulance? And the cops go, no, we are the ambulance. Now, in real life, would you send both of your police officers away? You would leave one in town to make sure everything stays okay. But nay, nay, not this time. Both officers load up into the vehicle, one in the front, one in the back, with the old lady and our hero. Now, the blonde chick ends up getting in the passenger seat because she is now invested in this old lady's health and wants to go with them on this 60 mile ride with one, two, three, four people she does not know at all. <laughs> so they leave and they go on their merry little way and Richter takes the keys away, takes the keys away from one of the kids to their Tesla. And he says, until you can show me proof that that was not her house and that y'all owned it, he, I'm keeping the keys. <laughs> so now you're potentially stuck in this town until you can prove that you've bought this property. It, at no point, did anybody think about how this scene would transpire? Because the, the Confederate flag, Richter has at this point taken it down and threw it at the black kid. And this bus, this bus that's straight out of the Jetsons cartoon show. I've never seen a vehicle like this in my life. I did not think this would ever be something I would see. It just pops out of nowhere. It just appears, and there's, I don't know, 20, 30 people on this bus, and every single one of them is straight out of a nightmare. They are wearing ascot, what is it, ascots? They're wearing scarves, they're wearing dresses, they're wearing high heels. It's a bunch of men in polo shirts. They all look like they're straight out of California. They make me hurt my heart. It hurts for that whole everything I saw in that bus. And the moral of the story is all of these people are, are TikTok famous. They're Instagram famous. And that's all they do. It is the bottom of the barrel society. So we leave them. That Basically, the moral is they're showing off the town at that point. We go back to our little police hospital van that's going. Well, in the back seat, the old lady starts to talk to our hero. She then proceeds to sputter and die. Now, <laughs> our hero, being the hero that he is, proceeds to get her oxygen mask, which she has to use because she needed oxygen. He turns it on and tries to get her to start breathing. Well, when he can't figure out, because you have to remember, this is Leatherface, and his whole thing is he's not all there. When he can't figure out why she's not breathing, he starts to shake the machine. 
Now, the one police officer that just, he rubbed me the wrong way. The second I saw him, something about him was just, I did not like him. His first idea was to basically slap and then hold onto the hand of our hero, which was the worst mistake he could have ever made. Because Leatherface don't like holding no other man's hands. I have never seen this before in a movie and I absolutely loved it and I thought it was actually one of the most brilliant things in this movie. The first kill. He took his arm and snapped it in half and then used the bones. He basically pushed the arm as in to say, quit hitting yourself. <laughs> and stabbed this police officer with his own bones multiple times, which this police officer proceeded to pull out a pistol and tried to shoot it, but ended up shooting the other police officer who was driving. This caused them to drive off the road into a sunflower field because of all th things we're going to be farming, it's going to be a sunflower field. And they run into some kind of farming equipment. It's a big tractor, you know, that's, that's not important. But they run into this piece of equipment. And the only real person here besides our hero that looks like they're not super bad off and they could still function is the blonde chick, which has done absolutely nothing up to this point, I want to point out. You know, they're, they're, she has done absolutely nothing. So, she looks in the back of this van, and she sees that our hero and the old lady are no longer in the back. She then tries to get on the police radio in the van and contact somebody. Now, the closest police station to them, and it's said by the, by, uh, later on in the movie, is 60 miles. Everything in this town is 60 miles away. It doesn't matter where you go in this town. If you want McDonald's, it's 60 miles away. So, <laughs> she gets on this radio and whispers. And while she's doing this, she's looking in the passenger side mirror in the background. And she's watching our hero basically do what our hero does best to the old lady. He's skinning her face. That's why we're here. That's what we love to see. She's over here trying to be quiet on this radio and it turns out the only other person listening to this radio is not a police station. It is the gas station attendant. Now, the gas station attendant doesn't hear it at first because he has music on. <laughs> he magically hears it while he's going to take out the trash and he's farther away from it than he was originally. He hears her saying that he's wearing, or, or he hears the blonde chick whisper over the radio that he's wearing her face. To which he instantly goes, ah, he's back. <laughs> and so does he call any other police station? No, he calls the one person who got away from our hero two movies ago <laughs> and for some reason has become a ranger 
a Texas Ranger for people who don't live in Texas. I don't know what y'all have out there, but we have Texas Rangers. That's basically the be-all, end-all of we're going to find you, we're going to catch you, have a good day. I don't know if she's an honorary Ranger. I don't know if she's a legitimate Ranger. She's a joke. I'm going to tell you right now, this woman, <laughs> she stops what she's doing to go and start hunting down <laughs> our hero. Well, in the process of this, the cop who was shot in the driver's seat wakes up and does the generic, I have come back from the brink of death, I'm going to make the most noise I possibly can make spot, okay? To which Leatherface, our hero, pulls him out of the window of this van and starts beating him over the head with the oxygen tank that the old lady had. Well, it's safe to say that the cop did not make it. The blonde lady decided to play dumb. That's great. So the blonde lady plays dumb, she plays dead, and she waits for our hero to go away. So the hero disappears. Don't see him, don't know where he's from. She tries to open her door, and she can't open her door because, once again, <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> so she has to climb over the dead cop in the driver's seat to try to crawl out. She didn't try to open the door on his side. She tried to go and crawl out the window. Well, that makes a lot of noise. And one thing I've learned from this movie is Leatherface could be blind, he couldn't be able to smell, he couldn't taste, he couldn't feel. But if you make a noise within a three mile range of this man, not only will he show up, he will show right the hell up. He will instantly be where you are. So he busts out the passenger window and pulls her back over to that side of the vehicle and proceeds to cut her stomach open and just let her die. Then, the one of the most glorious things I have ever seen, you're looking at a shot of a sunflower field, and I couldn't, I, I make videos, that's what I do, Beaver Hook Productions makes videos, and I couldn't have even thought of this shot. It's just a beautiful shot of a sunflower field, and just like a majestic meerkat, Leatherface stands up where all you see is his head <laughs> over the sunflower scenes. And you're expecting me not to bust in the laughter. Well, we go back to the town. Small Jewish boy one is fighting with uh, the black kid. And she goes, we got to find out if she, we really did buy that property because I don't feel good about it. We killed, basically before the blonde chick died, she got a text message off to him that said the old lady died. Well, now... Small Jewish boy one is having regrets about kicking her out of her home. And they got to figure out if they actually bought the house or not. So, they go back into the house and proceed to go through the entire estate. The black kid stays on the bottom floor. Small Jewish boy number one goes upstairs and into her room. Which is where I would go if I was looking for a deed to a house, I suppose. Well, I don't know how far this van got from town <laughs> to 
the sunflower field in which all of these festivities started. But Leatherface has to be getting walking lessons from Jason Voorhees because he's almost instantly back to that house. Now keep in mind that all of these social media influencer people are still walking around town looking at everything, taking TikTok videos. Well, small Jewish boy number one is upstairs and she unlocks this little lockbox in the most dramatic movie way you possibly can and she does in fact, the first paper she pulls out is the deed to the house saying that she not not it's not small jewish boy number one but the old lady still own this property to which she begins to just utterly freak out because yeah she just kicked somebody out of their rightful house and they died well naturally at that point there's a commotion that nobody knows what the commotion is in the house they think it's each other walking around nay nay it's our hero he has returned now in the state of texas we have this thing called stand your ground. If somebody is invading your property and they have posed a threat to you as a person, as a, a your livelihood, anything in your home, you have more than enough right to take them down. The only rule is you cannot shoot somebody in the back. There's your lesson for today, kids. Make sure you shoot them in the front. So our hero, being an upstanding Texas man decides to go, not only did these kids kick my mother and I out of our home, not only did, <laughs> not only did I just have to go and have a car ride that we should not have had with some police officers that should not have taken us out of our home to start with without due process there are now people intruding into my homestead that are going through our belongings and our private information <laughs> black boy runs I, I, well, I don't want to say runs. I think it was more of like a half-acid sprint. He sprints towards our hero. Our hero does not take kindly to this. And he just happens to have a butcher knife. Because this takes place in the kitchen. And he proceeds to cleave his face almost in twain. Not killing him. Nay, nay. All he did was separate one side of his jaw where that side of his jaw now hangs down. He loses a lot of blood, naturally, as one would, and falls down. Now, small Jewish boy one has realized that there is a commotion and has proceeded to look down the stairway, to which she sees her friend fall on the ground, presumably dead. Our hero steps out to make sure that he has properly assessed the situation at hand and does the classic look up the stairway where the one person was, but that person is now gone and hiding. She has ran into the closet in his mother's room and hid in the furthest corner she could. Our hero proceeds to go into the mother's room. He does a good sweep of the area and then... <laughs> And then he goes to the closet. Because I'm going to tell you, in this movie, our hero really is rather smart for the 
typical uh, versions of him we normally see. He opens the closet and he starts going through the dresses. Now he never sees small Jewish boy number one. So she's still in the closet and he pulls out a sundress that his mom would have wore. Now he is sitting in his mom's chair wearing his mom's face while holding and hugging one of her dresses. It was at this moment that I told myself nothing this man does for the rest of this movie is an act of villainous intent. Absolutely nothing this man does is not justified. Because this man has just had his mom killed. This man has had his home invaded. This, this man has now become the hero that his town needed. He then proceeds to start putting his mother's makeup on his face, which obviously her face is on his face. So he's putting makeup on her face, which is on his face, and crying, okay? He's showing emotion. That right there is all I needed to know that this man is human. Well, this is where I kind of was like, ooh, this, this is where we get a little iffy. Now, for anybody that is actually paying attention to what I'm saying scene by scene, I have skipped scenes specifically because they made absolutely no difference to the movie whatsoever. There's a scene where Jewish boy number two, which is our main character, goes and talks to Richter. So Richter is basically giving her the talk about blah, blah, blah. It was not important at all. So what happens is she looks over and sees an AR-15 on the table. And then we get backstory that she had been in a school shooting, had been shot, and actually lived. It was instantly at this point in time I told myself I know exactly how the end scene of this movie is going to play out. And I was correct. Well, anyway, it goes on. We're going to go back to where I was in this story. But it, it gets to the point that it starts raining. So they put all of these social influencers back on this mega bus where they're going to have a party. And while they're having this party, the black kid wanders out onto the road because, if I remember right, our hero is busting the wall down in his mother's room in which small Jewish boy one is still hiding, I think, under the bed at this point to get his chainsaw to get the chainsaw out of the wall. Now, <laughs> the black kid stands up and he just starts casually doing the zombie walk out of the house down the street towards the bus in which he runs into this other chick and he runs into Richter. Well, this just goes to show you how good of a person Richter is. He was upset about them kicking the lady out of the house with no proof. But once he saw that this man's jaw was basically in twain, he said, oh, it's time for me to show some sympathy and it's time for me to go figure out who did this to you. And he produces the pistol on his hip and he goes into the house. 
Now, when I was originally breaking this down to myself, I said Richter did nothing wrong. Richter was one of the few characters that did not deserve the fate that he met. But nay nay, once again, I had to correct myself. He has now entered the home of our hero with a pistol drawn, ready to shoot. Stand your ground law still applies. So, Richter is doing a sweep of the house and he goes upstairs. Leatherface, our hero, with his superhuman hearing, hears him coming down, or coming up the stairs. He then proceeds, our hero, proceeds to hide behind the door while Richter comes up the stairs. Now, small Jewish boy, number one, is still under the bed, and there's this standing mirror within leg's reach of her. Richter instantly notices a leg sticking out from under the bed, tilting this mirror in a direction with which he can see behind the door. The second you can make out that our hero is behind the door, he jumps around it and goes to grab Richter. That is when the struggle ensues, and I said, it's we're not even that far into this movie, and my second favorite character is going to perish. Well, they get into a fight. Richter put up a decent fight, you know, for what he could do. He never got to shoot anything. Nothing was ever done with that pistol that was worthwhile, by the way. And basically, Richter, he got killed in what I could only describe was the most humane way possible. Our hero used a hammer to break his leg completely backwards. It should not have gone in that direction. If you asked the doctor, he would say, yep, that's broke. To which he then proceeded to start crawling. Well, <laughs> he gets the keys out of his pocket and starts trying to hand them to small Jewish boy number one. But then you just start seeing a hammer proceed to smash the back of his head. Maybe six or seven times? Eight times? I mean, it was the most humane way to die possible, I guess, because our hero really made sure that he would never trespass ever again. <laughs> so, after that happens, our hero gets his chainsaw and takes it to his room so he can get everything tightened up. Because the chain was loose, it didn't look right, it didn't have gas in it, he probably needed some bar oil, and, you know, just typical chainsaw stuff. It wasn't ready, it's been sitting in the wall for a long time. And this chainsaw was spotless, it looked brand spanking new, by the way. I don't know if their prop department wanted a brand new chainsaw, if they were trying to be like, this was the chainsaw from the original movie, but I'm gonna give you a hint, as a prop person if you're gonna be a prop person and you want something that has character it should not be brand new looking okay now we're moving on while while you know he's working on this chainsaw small Jewish boy number one gets the keys from Richter's hand uh, which is presumably lifeless at this point you know as one would be after being hit in the head that many times and instead of just booking it because there's a small part of me that goes, you know, maybe if she would have booked it out of that room and down them stairs, she could have at least made it outside to where people could see her. But then the other part of me goes, it's a woman in a horror movie. She will trip over a grain of sand and instantly be murdered. So she thinks it's a good idea to climb onto the banister of these stairs, almost slip off, 
just so she can get around the corner of the stairs away from the edge of his bedroom door. Well, she gets off the banister onto the stairs, which instantly creak, and he is standing there looking at her. Let me tell you, I had the time of my life when our hero, once again, defending his homestead because he waited for her to turn around and look at him. That's why you cannot tell me that this is not completely justifiable. She has broken into his home, looked through their private documents, and got his mother killed all in less than a day. He chunks a hammer at her face, which hits her with the force of a thousand suns and sends her flying to the bottom of the steps, which she falls through into the crawl space beneath the home. I was so ready for this woman to die. But nay, nay. He starts off, he, he pulls this chainsaw out. In the small amount of time he's been working on it, that chain is tight. It is full of gas. It is ready to go. He starts it. It's beautiful. He starts going for it and she starts crawling through the crawl space. And I said, he's about to start sticking that chainsaw through the floor to try to get her. And as soon as I said that, that chainsaw came down through that floor and I said, oh, it's on. She starts crawling through this crawl space and they do what I like to call the reverse great white shark. When you look at a great white shark in the water with its fin out, the fin will just skim the top of the water and keep going until it hits whatever it's gonna eat in the movies. So the chainsaw is it's shoved down into the floor and he just walks with it, cutting through the floor towards this chick as she crawls. Now, keep in mind, this is a very wide crawl space. The blade of this chainsaw is going directly straight down the middle. She is proceeding to only crawl straight down the middle. This entire part of the movie could have been remedied if she had simply moved to her left or to her right. But nay nay, once again, she is going to go straight down the middle. Well, it's at this point in time that small Jewish boy number two, our main protagonist, has broke out of the uh, influencer bus and came to try to find her friend. Well, she ran into the body of the black kid and goes, oh shit, something's happening here. As most people probably would at that point. It's not every day you see somebody with half their jaw cut off and she hears her friend screaming and just happens to find a little at a crawl space window looking thing where her friend is crawling towards. Well, about the only thing that gets cut on small Jewish boy number one is her leg. And Leatherface, our hero, who is bravely defending his home, ends up cutting a sewer pipe right above the girl's head and covers her in sewer. Sewage. Poop. I found it hilarious because anything bad that happens to this girl, I'm all for it because she's a prick. Now, they crawl out of this little crawl space and they start heading towards the influencer bus. And I don't know if this is the exact placement of this scene, but it does not really matter because this scene, once again, is completely out of place other than the fact that it harkens back to the old movies. The lady 
from the original, the one that got away, I'm gonna call her Ghostface because she has no emotion whatsoever the entire movie. It does not matter what scene she is in, she has no emotion whatsoever. So Ghostface pulls up to the, the, the sunflower field where this van has crashed. She sees the dead police officers. She sees a trail of stuff leading further into Sunflower Field. So she goes into the Sunflower Field and sitting down in the field is the old lady with her face that has been carved off of her to which she starts repeating, I fear no evil. And then she goes, it's him. And then she goes back in her car and that's and she just disappears. Okay, we go back to the town. Well, now you're in the influencer bus with 20-something, I mean minimum, 20, 20, 25, 30 people in this thing. And they're just partying it up. You then proceed to have small Jewish boys 1 and 2 run back onto this bus, one of which is covered, absolutely covered in sewage. Nobody on this bus gives two... I was going to use the S word, but I think I'm trying to keep this at least somewhat PG, I guess. Uh, they don't give... Uh, they don't... They don't care that she's in the state she's in. They just go right back to partying. To which they start saying, look, you need to start the bus. We need to leave. But does anybody do that? No, not at all. Because now our best friend, our hero, has come to save the day. You see... I think we should invoke a rule that influencers and California people should not be allowed in our great state of Texas because this man gets on the bus and he proceeds to go to the back where everybody's at and just stand there as soon as he walks through the curtain everybody in this bus pulls out their phone and goes to Facebook or Instagram or TikTok live and starts belittling this man. And it's absolutely hilarious if you read the comments that are popping up on their phones because everybody's saying that this is fake or where can I go to experience this? There is one man that delivered the line that made me laugh harder than any other line in a horror movie. He said that if he, if our hero does anything, he was going to be canceled. Well, our hero took offense to that and he decided to stand up for his town and his country. And he started his chainsaw and he started going to town on all these people. This is a bus full of people that probably couldn't put their shoes on if they didn't have somebody to help them do it. Well, you got bits and parts of people flying all over the place and we have our uh, Jewish boy one and two run to the back and they get into the bathroom of this bus. So at this point, our hero has slain so many unjust Californians that the blood is flowing all to the back of the bus and filling up the floor in the bathroom. There is the one chick that came out there to check on the black dude that got his face cut in half. She tries to crawl out a window and proceeds to get cut in half. But then our small Jewish boys look up and realize that there's a way to get out of the roof in the, uh, in the bus. And they make a lot of noise doing it. Of course, it's going to be noisy. So basically, that just means that the chick getting cut in half was just, it was plot bait. So there would be a reason why 
he would have to be on the complete opposite end of the bus at that point in time. So the main protagonist gets lifted out first. So she's on the roof of the bus and the other one ends up getting uh, stuck in the bathroom as the door, and I actually really like this part, it was a nod to The Shining, where he starts cutting through the door and then looks through it. I actually really like that part, just as a reference. Well, he reaches in there to unlock the door, and she stabs him in the arm with a corkscrew. That somehow gives her just enough time to grab the other girl's arm and get pulled out to the roof. They end up getting off the bus. Now, there is a very, very long period of time here, which I still don't understand, because, once again, the entire movie, our hero is relatively, really, really, really fast. Like, he, he is ungodly fast for what I would expect. Well, they get off the roof of this bus, and they start trying to run off. Well, then this van drives up, because everybody drives a van. <sighs> and it's Ghostface, who then proceeds to tell them to get into the back seat of her car. Now, she gets them in the back seat of this car, and proceeds to sit here. And we're sitting here for at least two minutes. And I don't know if y'all understand this or not, but... The speed of which our hero is going around, two minutes is enough time to do anything, and I don't care if it's supposed to be one of those dramatic, it's for the plot. He would have been on that vehicle in less than a minute. He would have been on them girls outside in less than 45 seconds. Well, anyway, turns out that Ghostface has locked the girls in her vehicle because she's using them as bait. Because our hero, apparently, is really, really pissed off at small Jewish boy number one because she broke into his house. I would be upset too. So he apparently will not stop until she has been dealt with. <laughs> well, Ghostface now gets out of her vehicle, goes to the back, and pulls out a shotgun. Just your normal, everyday, 12-gauge pump shotgun. And apparently, the reason that our hero was not directly upon these poor people was because he decided to go back to his home and just live out the rest of his life, knowing that he was a good Texan and did what needed to be done. So, <laughs> naturally, Ghostface with a 12-gauge shotgun walks into this man's home and into his room as he's sitting on his bed doing nothing wrong. And she proceeds to point a 12-gauge shotgun at him. She then begins to verbally berate this man, who has every right to the stand your ground law, <laughs> while holding a gun to his head. And she never once shoots him because she wants him to say her name. She wants him to remember all of the friends that, uh, of her friends that he killed. This man walks right past her. He is done with violence. He has found God and he has turned his life around. If I was around that much social influencing, I might too. But no, nay, nay, it gets worse. He walks back outside just minding his own business. After picking up the chainsaw, matter-of-factly, she lets him pick up the chainsaw and he just walks off. 
and he goes outside and he starts going towards the vehicle in which the the two girls are locked inside now uh, we have to stop this movie review for a second so i can explain to you something if i'm trying to kill a man I am not going to load my shotgun with birdshot. I'm going to put slugs in it. In fact, I have I have magnum slugs in my AR-12 right now. Because if I'm going to go for it, I'm going to make sure that I hit you. I'm going to make sure I hit whoever's behind the wall, behind the fridge. I want to make sure I get everybody. But this lady who has spent her entire life wanting to kill our hero who has just invaded his home, by the way, had her shotgun loaded with birdshot. <laughs> so before he can get to the vehicle, or something along those lines, I think he breaks the window, I can't even, it wasn't even worth it at that point. She shoots him with the birdshot, which as it should, he turns around and goes, Whoa, whoa, this had nothing to do with you, I was being nice to you. Well now, you've initiated a boss fight with our hero, because she shot him in the back. The back of the shoulder, really, the arm. Our hero has made sure to kill everybody from the front like a fine, upstanding Texan. Well, he runs off into these alleyways, because you gotta remember, this 90% of this movie all takes place downtown in this ghost town. And <laughs> he starts running in these alleys with his chainsaw going. And he just kinda, the, the noise fades out. Well, the old lady, proceeds to open the back door or or I can't remember like I said I can't remember if he broke the window or if she opened the back door but she gives the girls small Jewish boys one and two she gives them the keys to her van and she says you two get out of here well small Jewish boy number one gets in the driver's seat and our main protagonist small Jewish boy number two gets in the passenger seat do, do they leave haha <laughs> Nay, nay. They proceed to stay, sit, and watch the boss fight movie that plays out before them. Now, I don't know if you, personally, have ever played, uh, I can't remember which Mortal Kombat it is, I think it's Mortal Kombat 12, where Leatherface is actually a character you can play as in that game. And I want to tell you right now, the way Leatherface runs is the most adorable thing you will ever see in your life there is no i would welcome him with open arms if i saw him running at me like that because it's so cute well she's standing out in front of this alleyway shotgun ready and you hear the chainsaw start getting louder and louder it's our hero running to the rescue well they proceed to go out she shoots him a few times doesn't really do anything he does his i call it the berserker run towards her and he takes this chainsaw and he jabs it in her and lifts her up. And she's just going, she's doing seizures, reminding, I want to remind you, with the ghost face, her emotion never changes at all. And he throws her off of this chainsaw into a pile of trash in the alleyway in which he came out of. Well, it's at this point in time <laughs> that small Jewish boy number one decides to actually turn on the van and they could have left honest to God at this point they could have just drove away but nay nay she goes we're gonna run him over so she starts to run down our hero once again proving she really is the villain of this movie <laughs> and he throws the chainsaw at the window 
causing her to swerve and run into the mechanic shop in which Richter was doing all his work and crash the van. The van with which they were to get away with. Well, <laughs> it ends up that she gets stabbed in the leg by a piece of metal and she is just pinned down to this seat. Our main protagonist is okay and she can get out of the vehicle. She gets out as Leatherface is coming towards them and kind of disappears. It's right before this that small Jewish boy number one gives her this speech about how she knows she's gonna die now. She just needs to get out of there. And keep in mind that she's been treating our main protagonist like crap the entire time. Well, it turns out that when our main protagonist took off, she actually went over to the other side of where they crashed and grabbed the AR-15. Something that I did not bring up exclusively earlier on is that Richter wanted her to hold the AR-15 and as a responsible person, he took the magazine out of it and made sure there were no rounds in the chamber. And then he put it back down on the table because it's not every day that you're going to need to use your AR-15 for something. And she gets this AR-15 and she sees our hero going towards the menace that is small Jewish boy number one. She then yells at him and points the gun at him. Which then in my eyes, I can see how this one is iffy. This one really is iffy. She proceeds to point the AR-15 at the man who was defending his property and livelihood. To me, that puts her on the wrong side. But I can see how that one's iffy. And she proceeds to go to pull the trigger on the gun to which she gets the classic click. Which, by the way, if there's not a round in it, if there's no magazine in the AR, the AR should not even close. I just want to point that out there. Whoever put that in the movie, you should have done a little more research on your weaponology. Well, this upset our hero, naturally as it should, and he takes off running at her. And he proceeds to try to uppercut her with, I want to say it was the chainsaw. And it doesn't, the chainsaw itself doesn't hit her. It hits the AR, but the force off the hit, you got to remember that these two small Jewish boys are tiny. There's no way they are over 120 pounds. I would put them at 110 pounds maximum if I had them soaking wet. And <laughs> she gets launched, okay? And she's about to get murderfied by our hero when suddenly there is another shotgun round that goes off and Ghostface is still alive. She has proceeded to shoot our hero again just enough to make him want to leave instead of going back to his house though he runs into this old abandoned theater well ghostface tells our protagonist to come over to her she proceeds to oh once again i want to whoever did this i want to get on you she proceeds to put shells in the shotgun now remember the shotgun is empty when she's putting these shells in there, she never pumps the gun. Meaning when you would go to fire, you wouldn't be able to fire anything. You would have to go ahead and pump it. We never see our main protagonist pump the shotgun. It's just implied that it was ready to go. That was another nitpick I had on this thing. She says 
that he will follow you for the rest of your life unless you finish him. So now it is your duty. This is Ghostface talking to our main protagonist. It is now her duty to kill him. And I will tell you that our main protagonist at some point had to have been a Girl Scout because without hesitation, she took it upon herself to turn into Rambo and run into this movie theater. Now, she gets in here and I don't remember exactly at what point, but small Jewish boy number one realizes that her friend needs help and she starts to rip the piece of metal from her leg so she can get out of this vehicle. And while this is going on, we go back to the theater. Our main protagonist is walking through all of the trash. And now, when I tell you this is abandoned, this is like, it is full of trash. It looks like it had been a homeless camp. There's a giant swimming pool size hole in the ceiling that leads to a giant swimming pool size hole in the floor that must be 30 feet deep this thing was super deep completely full of water keep in mind everything else in this place is dry except for this one area and she's looking for our hero in this theater and she sees a big shadow behind a curtain and she hears the chainsaw coming from behind the shadow and I sat there and I was thinking to myself, I said, there's something not right about this. And was I right? <laughs> she goes and she moves the curtain. And our hero, as the intelligent man he is, who is well trained in guerrilla tactics, has found a giant werewolf statue or whatever you want to call it and put his chainsaw at the feet of it and let it run to make her think that that was his silhouette he then comes off the side of your screen and tackles this little toothpick of a girl in just by far the most beautiful if i owned a football team i would be recruiting this man the most beautiful tackle takedown spear I have ever seen, which gets the shotgun and makes it fly like 12 feet away from them. They then proceed to fight and scramble until they both fall into this pool of water. The little girl, being as buoyant as she is, gets out faster than he does, and she starts crawling, crawling towards the shotgun well he ends up coming back out of the pool and grabbing her ankle or i don't think he actually got a full hold of her ankle he just did it enough to stop her in her tracks she somehow manages to get free and stand up and start limping over because i'm gonna tell you after that tackle it would be really hard for her to move I, I, that was a beautiful thing but in the time she, it takes her to get up and grab this gun. Our hero has got up, grabbed the chainsaw, and proceeded to, what is the, the Olympic game called? Um, curling. Has proceeded to, at an Olympic level, launch his chainsaw, spinning on the floor like he was in a curling team, which takes out her uh, footing. At no point does this cut her. She walks perfectly fine the rest of the movie. All it did was knock her down before she could get to the shotgun. And because in f just great movie fashion, she is sitting there 
she is just a, like inches away from this shotgun, and you see our hero's foot kick the, kick it away from her. She rolls over and starts having flashbacks to when she was in the school shooting. This is the part that I was right about. I said that at the end of this movie, or towards the ending of this movie, there was going to be a scene where this girl was going to just be completely useless because she was going to be having PTSD from a school shooting, which is what happened. Leatherface has, in this time, grabbed his chainsaw. He has got the scores back from the judges, and he is going to the finals and got a gold medal. And he's about to take this chainsaw, and he's about to cut our main protagonist up, and in half, in twain, probably. When all of a sudden, small Jewish boy number one jumps on his back and puts him in a chokehold. This girl, who is no more than 120 pounds, has jumped on this man's back and put him in a chokehold. This man is holding a chainsaw, but at no point in time swings it back there to try to get her off. He simply lets her choke him. I do not know what Leatherface is into, but asphyxiation is probably a really, really good guess. It's finally at this point that she gets uh, thrown off of him, and he's starting to go and he's going to go kill small Jewish boy number one. Well, finally, our main protagonist has snapped out of it, and she has the shotgun and proceeds to put two or three rounds into our hero, who is, by the way, backing up to this swimming pool-sized thing of water in, a ho in, in the theater. She goes to shoot him again, and she's out of shells. And none of these shells did a single thing but make him back up because once again they were using birdshot. When all of a sudden you have this just, I don't know what to call it. It's just like a Rambo moment. Small Jewish boy number one picks up the chainsaw, runs towards him, and uppercuts him with it and sends him into the pool. And he does the classic land on his back and float down. Now, here is the part that they missed because I was expecting this and I was disappointed when this happened. When he went underwater, they got one thing right. There was the big bubble. The big bubble is when you're drowning and you swallow all that water and every bit of air comes out of you and it hits that surface. But it was also the perfect time for the uh, his mom's face that he was wearing to float to the surface of that water and just ominously sit there. But that did not happen. I am disappointed that did, that, that did not happen. Now, I sat there and I proceeded to say, this is your chance. You need to get out of here as fast as you can. You have the keys to your Tesla. You can get out of here. No, 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 no. That's too easy. These two women proceed to sit there and hug and do everything short of make out right in front of the pool. The chainsaw is at one of their feet. I sat there and I said, you know what would be smart is to take the chainsaw with you. Take the chainsaw and leave now. Well, I want you to know that when all of this starts, and this is another issue I have, when all of this starts, the fight is at nighttime. They are not getting into their vehicle until it is damn good daylight. I am talking it is like noontime daylight. That is indicating that the people that made this movie do not care whatsoever for time frame awareness, but they left the chainsaw back there and they're walking to their Tesla. 
They get into the Tesla and proceed to have like another two minutes of unnecessary cringy teenager Instagram model dialogue. And then they, instead of stepping on the gas and leaving as fast as they possibly could, she proceeds, small Jewish boy number one, proceeds to go through the air conditioner settings and then rolls down the roof on the vehicle. Or, or was it small Jewish boy? No, no, actually it was our main protagonist that did that, I believe. Well, she does that and rolls down the roof on the Tesla, and now they're in convertible mode. She then proceeds to go on to the beautiful autopilot portion, and this is one thing I'm going to bring up in a minute, because this is the most cruel part in this entire movie. It's nobody dying is the cruel part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up later. This woman proceeds to go in and then put their home address in on autopilot because teslas have autopilot but they drive at like five miles an hour so they just start moving and just like i knew it would happen our hero grabs small jewish boy one out of the vehicle takes her out our main protagonist sits up in this car that is on autopilot driving away and she's not stopping it and watches our hero cut off the head of small Jewish boy one and then proceed to hold it and the chainsaw and swing around like a madman. I cheered for that scene because the entire movie I was waiting for her to get got and it finally happened the hero beat the villain and then it just goes to the ending uh, the credits <laughs> I mean that's all there is to it but the most cruel part of this entire movie is that she put it in autopilot and just slowly slow I mean it was it was painfully slow her rolling away watching this happen i was sitting there going oh you got through all of that and if you would have just used the gas pedal like a normal human being you would have been all right <sighs> and that that's literally every highlight in this movie if i missed a scene it's because it was a pointless scene there was no there was no point in it whatsoever uh i give this movie a 10 out of 10 and I'm going to tell you why I give this movie a 10 out of 10. It's not because it's a good movie. It's not because the movie makes sense. It's not because the prop department cared about what they were doing. It's not because they cared about the time frame of the entire movie. It is because a bunch of social justice warriors and Instagram people got what they deserved. <laughs> it's because Leatherface exercised every single right he had as a Texan. Everything he did was in legal bounds, and you can fight me on that one. This is Texas the movie. And let me tell you something. If there's any other movies that I can watch, because like I said at the beginning of this, I don't watch movies because I'll do this right here. I will critique and nitpick everything about them. If y'all have a movie you want me to do, let me know what it is, and I will try to make time for it. This has been... Logan Craft once again ranting, raving, and complaining about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre on Netflix. Have a good one.